0: Welcome to the strong life podcast and thank you for coming Margo Alvarez. Do we need to know anything else about your name?
1: Not that I can think of. That sounds pretty straightforward. Go
0: a three, two, one go. And for those who are watching us in the Facebook group, check it out and you'll know who we're talking to here. But I was actually thinking how funny it is that like, if you want to be my friend in the first conversation we have, I'm going to record it and go live (laughs) <laughs> like that is messed up, you know, like, no, no, no. What, what happened to like coffee, you know, yeah, right? what happened to, to, ha- to like getting a workout in, but exactly. no, I've, 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 uh, I can't, I'm was trying to remember where I first met you. I think it was well, virtually. And I think it was through Jarrett bond. I don't yeah. know why.
1: Yeah. I want to say it's definitely virtually. And I want to say it was last year, two years ago, I can't remember three. I can't remember yeah. I think it was after some point after 2020. Yeah, um, I th- but yeah, I, was, I think it's from Jared had posted something or seen something. Uh, I can't remember specifically what it was, but uh, yeah, but yeah, that's where our first kind. Well, of like I
0: recognized you, and I couldn't put my finger on it. And then I was like, "Oh, that's that Titan Games girl." <laughs> okay, and then I looked into a little bit more, and I was like, "Oh, wait, we have a games athlete here too." And then I think for me, like. At the time, I mean, I was, you know, I turned fifty a few weeks ago, and well, I mean, you
1: don't look fifty; you look amazing. Happy It's birthday. the bangs.
0: Yeah. Uh, it's the bangs. <laughs> they take ten years off.
1: That's amazing. <laughs> but cover- I should get too. <laughs> you look absolutely amazing. Uh,
0: so, thank you. Anyway, it, when I started on social media, it is, I maybe I had. 148 followers is a number I remember specifically and that was in 2019 actually Mm -hmm. and I I, so I was new to it I'd been on it but I wasn't a consumer and I definitely wasn't a creator like in my personal life ever and I remember thinking like all of the fitness people that I saw were you know pretty well made up which is fine like it's not like I try to get on here and look like shit. Like I want to look good. I got that. That was fine. But I, but everything, it was hard for me to relate. So I just, you know, my mother always said, just like, like literally all you have to do is be yourself. And that is good enough. And so I would like tell myself that, but I also felt like, how do you do this? How do you grow? How do you? And so every, anytime I find a woman that isn't like in the fitness space, that isn't sexualizing fitness. Mm-hmm. Like I, I like her, like the reason I like you is because you have this like very clear, like fitness coach side. That's a professional. That's like, I'm, I'm here to teach people, you know, but then you also have another side, which is like, I think I'll pole dance and I do look good in a bikini and I think I'll start a wine, you know, brand. And so I like that because I, like I get really frustrated, um, with the pieces of fitness that are totally sexualized. You know what I'm talking about? Like it's a shoulder workout. Like, why am I looking inside your like anatomy Mm -hmm. right now? You know? So that's one thing I loved about you.
1: Thank you. I think it, it, and it is tough, especially these days on a platform where, obviously anyone can access it from any place. And that's just not just Instagram, but Facebook, TikTok, LinkedIn, uh, I mean, uh, Snapchat, Twitter, whatever else, or X, whatever else is out there. But I think it's very important to like find that line. And it is, there are people out there that definitely take it where they do sexualize or they do take it towards the TNA. And I get that sells, but at the same time it's like, what else is there? Is there anything else behind that top layer that you can utilize or have as a point that's going to help people either educate them, entertain them, or give them inspiration? And that's kind of been my basis is like, all right, How can I give some sort of educational component? How can I entertain them? Mm -hmm. I'm not like super funny. Like some people out there where they have like these meme pages and they make people laugh. But for me, it's like, all right, what kind of entertainment that I have that maybe can be helpful or maybe I can highlight other people that are funny and then I like what they do. But then also, how can I give them the inspiration or the motivation or the say, hey, if she can do it, I can too. And just giving them that kind of confidence and within themselves, and that's the biggest thing now. As I kind of move and evolve into different spaces, is how can I do that on a platform where maybe I can't reach someone in person, but I can online. Um, but it's tough because it's a very—it's like it's like going into you know uh, Costco and you know you're trying to find this little pin or this little needle on the floor, and you're like, man, there's so many even people. It's like this billion-dollar market or billion-dollar place where you know you're trying to jump up and wave and say, hey, like let me show you my information, let me show you my content. Such a saturated place. But then that's where you have to say, all right, be true to who you are. I think it's really important. Stick to myself. Stick to my guns. I'm not going to change or try to do things differently that I don't resonate with because one, that's not authentic. But two, people aren't going to like. People can see that. People can re, even though it's a screen or even though it's a you know social media platform, people like think because they're so inundated with it. Depending on the level of time you spend with it, they can start to see: Are you real? Are you authentic? Are you you know kind of amplifying things that aren't really true? I mean, again, speaking for myself and what I've spent the time that I've spent on social media so far. So I think it's really important to be authentic and stay true to who you are.
0: Yeah, agreed. And maybe, you know, when I think about it, it's like, I'm, you know, at at our age, like we can handle that stuff. And I suppose even when I was growing up, you know, I, every generation had had its thing of influence that was like toxic. And we mm-hmm. just have a different one now. But when I think about it and the, through the eyes of, you know, my niece and my, you know, goddaughter and my future, you know, grandchildren, I think like, I hope they'll be able to tell the difference. I don't know what all those images, like, I'm so curious to see what all the images of, uh, are going to do to us. Like, <laughs> Like is our head going to explode at some point, you know, unrealistic standards, maybe, but, but, but those have always been there. You can't just say it's social media now. I mean, my mother was worried about that with me, with magazines, Kate Moss, you know, eating.
1: Exactly. and I, I will say growing up, like, I mean, I literally have on my wall here, I have cutouts from magazines of like words, like inspirational wor- words. And before I would cut out images of strong women or people that look like they're active in magazines. And I use that as kind of like a vision board growing up because I want to be strong. I want to be like empowered through words or people, but I want to use that for kind of a cultivating for what I want for myself. But I do agree. Like I am hesitant for these younger generations because we grew up at a time where we didn't have that. Yes, we were introduced to it, but maybe we can kind of find that line or we draw that line in the sand. Where we're like, all right, we understand this is real. We understand there's some sort of manipulation of the image or the video. And you hear about it time and time again where it's yeah. like, oh, this person photoshopped the video and people can change their face, like make their lips look bigger, make their eyes look smaller, make their jaw look more petite. It's I don't know.
0: Way smaller, boobs bigger, but yeah. dude, <laughs> exactly. the first, the first. 100% fitness like influencer event I went to, I was so surprised at like, by what people looked like in person versus what, not everybody, but there are a few, I was like, I know first form has fired some people for, you know, doctoring their photos. They've, if they find that out, they they fire them immediately if they're associated with them. So some people have come and gone, but yeah, that is super interesting to be like, I, I'm talking about it because it was just like a whole new world. And when I find somebody authentic, it's just like you said, it's you can, you can just tell, it's like, you're kind of in this sea of garbage. And then you're like, wait, I think that's a good, one. like, oh, okay, no, this is good. This is good. All right, yeah. hang on to her. And you know, and you just keep, like, there are really great authentic people out there.
1: You know, For sure. I agree. I think it's really important. And it's just like anything in life, you're going to have a lot of junk out there, you're going to have a lot of BS, but how do you filter through that? And it, it is tough. And it's I've heard of that, you know, people saying, kind of making not necessarily memes, but making kind of a comparison of, you know, what you're seeing online, then you meet those people in real life, or why don't you ever see the people that you see online? Where are they in real life?
0: Huh. Oh yeah that's a, yeah I mean, right I like, like that, oh, that's you know? kind of interesting yeah
1: yeah, yeah. and and I have people tell me like oh like you look taller on the camera or you look bigger yeah. in person or you look leaner and i obviously like when you're on tv and or when you're depending on the angle of the camera there's going to be some nuances and These. Yeah. But for the most part, I look pretty much the same. Yeah, you, know? you
0: look exactly. To me, you look the same.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. if I have bags under my eyes, like maybe I'll swipe and like put a better filter, <laughs> yeah. that, like how much sleep I didn't get the night before. But I think the biggest thing is like the more consistent you are just in being true to yourself, one, people are going to resonate because I think there's that kind of discrepancy. Like I said, outside you look in the real world, like there's not many people like that. And how are people going to resonate or trust you or want to hear from you if? you're putting out, you know, fake this, fake that, blah, blah. And of course there's ways to amplify, um, your body. Obviously there's a lot of uh, more like medical spa stuff or more like facial stuff where you can amplify and like, you know, make yourself look better. And I think that's fine. Like everyone's yeah, yeah, their own decision to make changes to the body. And that's totally fine. But then if you completely change what you look like in person to what you look on the line, especially for the younger generation, especially women that are looking at us, like, Oh man, I have to look like this, or I need to look like that. And it's like, Wait a second. That's not even realistic. That's not even possible. So now you put this unrealistic standard out there on yourself or even expectation and that even can go into competition that can go into other things as well. And I have found myself and even when I tell people, it's like focus on what you can control, which is yourself, your energy, your positive vibes, you, your work, your job, your family, focus on that. And don't concern yourself with other people in the sense that you can't control that. You have no output. You have no say on how things go or, you know, what you do. And it is, it's tough because it's constantly going to be there. Like social media is always going to be there, but it's how do you regulate that? And that's, that's, that's a tough, that's a, that's a tough question, you know?
0: Well, also like you do have to, I always think of like, you are fed what you consume. So I see dogs and strong women, powerlifting and crossfitters, awesome. if you're seeing Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, we also do have a little bit of control in terms of what we, what we scroll, what we see. Um, So, and, and even at, even at my age, I even have women in my demographic that are, you know, have, have struggled to conquer that, like comparing themselves still, you know, just, it's just kind of, it's just kind of in us and that's nothing that's nobody else's fault. I think, you know, but our own at this point, we do have to have to, and have the ability to like control what we see.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: So, okay, let's, let's back up. I love to start a podcast in the, in the beginning or in the middle and then have to back up in the end. But so I wanted to introduce you to my group and my, you know, podcast community for a really good follow, and then just get to know you a little bit, but I don't know like your background up until, obviously I don't, cause we haven't had a conversation, but up until we met and I was just super curious about your kind of your fitness background. You're so fit, which we will get into, uh, but where did you start? You're in Vegas, right?
1: Yes. I'm in Vegas. Yeah. So I think I've always been pretty active my entire life. Um, when I was little, my mom, uh, got myself and sisters into different activities. So Taekwondo, ballet, horseback riding, um, golf, and that kind of just set the Not gymnastics. In. I did gymnastics for like a year, but I got, mm. um, actually I have a, have a gangling cyst. I had gangling cyst in my left wrist twice. And so the doctor removed it twice, had two surgeries. And he's like, if you continue to do this, you'll probably have to have a third surgery. And I don't recommend that because your wrist will be a lot weaker. So I was like, oh, bummer. So I did that for like a little bit. Um, but I had to stop because I had the first surgery and then tried to do it again. Surgery came or the ganglion cyst came back. So then I tried it again. So I did a little bit, I wish I would have done more like looking back now in terms of what I did with all the CrossFit. I was like, man, I should have just like sucked it up. and continued. I know. I know. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. But I feel like it would have been so beneficial. It would have been for sure, but things happen for a reason. So I had a little bit of experience with that. I think about a year and a half, um, Didn't get to continue, but I had a variety of um, kind of activities to do. I got to do a little bit of tennis when I was really little, when we lived in California. And for me, just being active just kind of became part of my lifestyle. Once I got into high school, my parents encouraged me to focus on two sports. So I was doing like horseback riding, Taekwondo, all those activities. And I loved it, but to get better at something, you need to focus a little more on it. So I cut back to volleyball and golf, did that to the rest of my high school ended up going to um, Hawaii for university. And I really loved, I really wanted to go for either sport, but didn't work out. And so I focused on study abroad. And during that time, I kind of started to get intriguing to fitness. I would go to the gym, I'd go and runs, I lived on campus for the first year. So, I mean, Hawaii was great area, great comment. So I'd start to like run like twice a day, like 15, 20 minutes, just getting into it. Um, And then I found my second year out there, I found Outrigger canoe paddling. So it's like a six man, six woman boat. And then you have the AMA, and essentially, you have six people in the canoe. They have long and short races. The first year, I did some short races. Um, and then the second year, uh, they have a long race. So the longest one is the Nahuahin. It's where you paddle from the island of Molokai to the island of Oahu. So it's about 41 miles. And that was one of the most challenging physical and mental tests. Um, and so for me, it was just pushing myself, trying something different and something new. I think I was that was my second, third year. So I think it was like 20. 19 or 20, I think. Yeah, I think it was 20 when I did that. Um, And again, I just liked something different, challenging, not only physically, but mentally. And that kind of was my activity while I was in Hawaii. And then when I left the university, I went to the Bay Area, moved there and I knew I wanted to be in the health and fitness space. And so I just tried to figure out what I wanted to do, started as a marketing assistant and then moved into membership and sales and eventually found personal training. And during this time, I was just kind of doing my own thing going to the gym and then I found that UFC gym had opened and since I did Taekwondo when I was little I really wanted to do um some sort of like self-defense to get more into that like all right if I have to protect myself what do I need to do so I took a couple submission wrestling classes um some friends did a some bjj and so I dabbled in that I was like oh man I really want to fight people were like no if you want to keep your face like don't get into you really
0: wanted to fight
1: I did. I was kind of interested. I was like, well, maybe I can get into like, like the, kind of the UFC because obviously I was really hyped at the time. This was 2008, nine, 10, I think. I think they opened in 2009, 2010. Now, were, were you, were you strength
0: longer. training at all during this time?
1: So I was doing like dumbbell stuff. So I'd like yeah. look at magazines for workouts. And then when I became um, certified through NASM, I started to do a lot of training in terms of their modules and how they trained. And I really liked that, but it wasn't like anything barbell, like, squats, deadlifts, anything. It was more like dumbbell stuff, um, reverse flies, front raises, Yeah, yeah, yeah. all that stuff. So it was not necessarily in terms of that type of strength training that I think of strength tra- training now. Um, and so it was kind of completely different, but I moved into that fight space and I really liked that because I wanted to focus on that aspect. A friend of mine, this was end of 2010, a couple of friends that said, Hey, you should try CrossFit. You'd love it. I was like, eh, I don't know. I just joined this gym. I really want to do this. I really want to fight. Um, and then that that kind of, I enjoyed that and it was great, but I didn't really move into the competing space of fighting. Uh, and then I, a friend of of mine
0: face. Yeah. Yeah. You can't (laughs) get the rest of the face. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, Oh, I
1: was like, okay. people, but people were like making this sound really bad. I was like, Oh, you're gonna have like, you know, eye issues and like socket issues. I was like, damn. I was like, I didn't know that. I mean, again, people are obviously telling the worst. Yeah. Yeah. A sliding scale we'll say. And then, um, anyway, so I heard about CrossFit and I was like, Oh no, I passed on it. And then early 2011, some friends were like, You know, where I'm gonna go check out this gym? I was like, cool, I'll go with you. And then I just fell in love with it. So, to answer your question, long story short, I've always been active, always been involved in some sort of sport or activity. Kind of didn't start going to the gym until you know college, but I really liked it. I loved the outlet. I think, and then when my sister passed in 2008, I think it has amplified my way to find another outlet. And so for me, the outlet was, you know, running, I really got into running, did a couple half marathons and Spartan races and Tough Mudders right before CrossFit. And I think that was a way for me to cope with feelings and emotions. And, you know, maybe I can't control or change the past, but I can control and at least put my energy into exercise and fitness and hopefully have that be a better outlet than, you know, maybe going down a, a worse path of turning yeah. to drugs yeah so I think it was really good um obviously you still have to work through emotions like don't just like bury them underneath the chest or hide them underneath them you know your bed or whatever so dealing with them is important but I think for me fitness was a way to work with through that and so when I found CrossFit I think that's where that outlet of not only the physical but also the mental because it's you against yourself yes you're competing with people in classes and once you get to competition you're you're worth it or against the other competitors, but ultimately it's you against yourself and that mental aspect of how you talk to yourself, what you tell yourself is huge because your body will absorb that and your body will respond to that in a good and bad way. And I think CrossFit kind of helped me with that because you're in your head or you're in your space for the most part when you're training or working out.
0: Yeah. So that, that season of um, emotional difficulty, I'm sure, um, you know, there's that old saying like poor, you know what do we do with our feelings we put them in our muscles but um how did you how did you cope aside from fitness with loss like that and when you go wherever you want I mean I'm yeah. I'm you know
1: no I think that's a good question I think um I think obviously the fitness and exercise was like my first outlet and then the second outlet I think journaling helped me and like write out my thoughts and emotions I think as I got older and as time went by, talking about it and sharing my experience also helped me work through it, but then also understanding and learning, all right, how can I, and I think I internalized it for a long, a long, a long time where I took the thoughts and feelings and emotions and I'm like, all right, well, I can't go back and save her. I can't go back and change what happened, but it's like, how can I you know, go forward and live forward? through her or have her live through me, if that makes sense. So I think I try to kind of absorb her passing absorber spirit and say, all right, she's no longer here, but I'm going to live for her. So I'm going to hopefully do the things that she would like to do or continue to live mm-hmm. life because I know that's what she wanted. Mm-hmm. And I think that I had a dream right after she passed because um, it was my last semester of school. So I flew back from mm-hmm. um, Hawaii, back to Montana. And I think her coming to me, my dream telling me, you know, I can't come in, but it's okay. I think that was kind of a. Um, you know, a way to communicate to me and saying, Hey, like I'm no longer here. I can no longer be present anymore longer in this world, but I'm going to be okay. I think that was maybe a little bit of a underlying solace for me where it's like, all right, no matter how much I'm struggling or how much I'm trying to get over this, hopefully that message will kind of resonate with me and still stick with me as I continue forward, knowing that she'll be okay. So now I need to focus on me to make sure I'm okay.
0: Yeah. Wow. That's pretty powerful. I mean, not everybody has stories like that. That. Can put uh what you have here in perspective. You know, yeah. I mean, that's such a unique thing for you to go through. And you were young. Yeah,
1: yeah. I was 22. Yeah, I was 22. she was 20, then my youngest sister, Remy, was 18. So yeah. yeah, it was obviously you don't expect or plan for that. I mean, just that's life anywhere. Um, but I think I really tried to, obviously the first few years were difficult, kind of figuring out my way and what I want to do. And then I think as I got older, I learned to process a little bit, a little bit more, or at least look back and understand, all right, cool. What was I working through or what was I struggling with? How did I try to get past that? And I think for me being open and being okay to talk about it, because I think it's hard. It's hard to talk about mm-hmm. death. It's not something I think a lot of people like, you know, we might be scared of death. If we talk about life, you know, life is celebrated. Um, you know, it's new life coming, but like death is, going to happen it's you know mm-hmm. our life is finite it's not like we're going to live forever so how do we maybe not necessarily come to terms with it but at least understand it's like maybe and I think this is either in the marines or in the military there's a saying where it's like you know maybe they were destined for something better like they mm-hmm. weren't going to stay on this earth or this planet very long they had other things or another calling to go to I'm like well oh, that's a good way to think about it obviously yeah I'm, sure you know, I want to have her here <laughs> yeah, and her. yeah yeah. I still enjoy life but how can I at least look at a different way, or at least look at it, at least at least look at it with a different perspective to hopefully say, "All right, cool. That allows me to understand. All right, you know, she's no longer here. She went somewhere else, and she had a higher calling to whatever that is."
0: Yeah, I love that. I think, um, you know, those. Uh, I have a good friend who who calls them. I'm sure somebody else, and you have probably heard it, but just like out of order deaths you know, the one there's an order to passing, like you, you get to live all the stages and these out of order deaths are just very strange and surreal. Like, it's just, you know, like you expect your grandparents and your great grandparents or whatever, but, um, so she, and of course she had, had, had to deal with an out of order death of a child. And it was, you know, coming to terms with that was like, and then like you said, you do see people go kind of one of two directions, you know, with with loss and grief, um, especially at that, at your age, you know, it's and shocked yeah, the system. I agree. And I think it's,
1: you know, you don't really anticipate it. And if for sure it was harder for my younger sister, she went down a different path for a little bit. Um, yeah obviously was able to you know pull out of it and is in a lot better spot now but it's hard because you know she my sister and her spent so much more time together they were you know living they were in missoula montana like they were both in montana at the same time they were able to spend more time together um and you build that you know close relationship and then all of a sudden it's like yanked from you you know you can't yeah process it and i think that was what she struggled with at first um and for a while but she obviously got better but again when you're young i think one, I think you think you're invincible. I know there's times you're like, "Oh, everything's fine. I'm not. Nothing's gonna ever touch me." And then something like that happens, and you're like, "Holy crap!" But you know, it like, makes you stop and pause and kind of right. reassess a little bit. Right. Yeah.
0: So thank you for sharing that. I, I had, I've, I saw a couple things, uh, but you know. I wasn't sure of the whole story. So, um, I appreciate that. And, and I mean, what a, what an age to, to have to go through that. It sounds like you used it as, I don't know, some fuel. Yeah. So when you just jumping ahead back into CrossFit, when you started CrossFit and you were hooked, I think I started the first CrossFit class I did was I think it was like 2011 I mean it was it was it was like early and um I remember loving it too my neighbor opened a local gym which is still there um might I feel like it was even longer than that um my boss at the time was like, Oh, you got to try this. And and at the time, there weren't really any gym, many gyms. It was more like you could go to this website and get the wad, you know, the wad, the workout of the day. And <laughs> then like everybody across the country was doing that or something like that. Was it wasn't like that. Was where he told me to go. You got to go to this website. Yeah. And um, then they opened, and then of course it was just like wildfire. Um, so I was never really and am not. Really great at it. But part of it is because like these aren't things I've worked on consistently. I did it pretty consistently here and there, but I just still love, I mean, it is the true definition of strength and conditioning, number one. Um, but I loved probably the same things you loved. Like at the time, the community was great. We, you know, it was like new, and we just it was like a couple years where you know, everybody was super dedicated and then new gyms started opening and things started fracturing and, you know, um, yeah. the drama kicked in and all that started to happen and, and, uh, people left coaches started new gyms, but I still love to go now. In fact, have you been to West chase CrossFit West chase?
1: Yes, that's, um, What's her name goes there. I competed with her employee spacing, um, or at least she used to be there. So I've never physically been there. It's an. Um...
0: Okay. Yeah. It's, it's 30 minutes for me, but I noticed that you, I, I followed the page and I noticed you followed them too. I was like, oh, I wonder if she's been there.
1: Yeah. So I haven't yeah. been there, but, um, I'm totally spaced, but I competed one, uh, for, with one of the girls for a couple of years when she was based out of there. Yeah. Um,
0: there's some really yeah. incredible athletes in there. Yeah.
1: There's, I mean, amazing gyms. And I think again, like you said, like in 2011, it, it was very grassroots even before that, yeah. 9, 7, eight, nine, 10, but 2011 for sure is grassroots. And it's like, you tell you like, Oh, I, you know, I go to this CrossFit gym. People are like, what's CrossFit. So now people are like, Oh, I've heard it or I've seen it. But back then it was more kind of underground um and it's it's for sure changed but like yeah for me it's like going to that first class I was I just dropped in for a class with a friend of mine and it was like burpees it was burpees and snatches and back then didn't have any 35 pound bars it was just a 45 pound bar and so like my right thumb's a little shorter so trying to hook grip hook grip the bar. I was like, this is impossible. It hurts my thumb. Um, but I just remember thinking, I was like, this is so hard, but I was like, I love it. I felt so exhilarated and breathing so hard. It was such a different way of training. I mean, at that time I was doing lots of running and training for a half marathon. And I was like, this is completely not totally different. Yeah, totally different. But I was like, after that, I was like, I signed up for the elements classes and I was like, let's go.
0: Okay. So you had to learn. I I'm like, so curious about Cause I also think there are a lot of misconceptions about this. I'm curious about your day one. Like I started CrossFit. I love it. How how did you find your way to the games? Yeah. Like, so what is that leap? And I don't care if it takes 10 minutes. I'm just curious.
1: No, okay, I'll try. Yeah, I'll try not to drag it out. D- no, um, do it. <laughs> yeah. So that, that was the first class. I want to say that was like end of February, beginning of March. I want to say end of February, 2011. And then I signed up for the elements classes and I think I went in, Two or three days, kind of in that week, um, for the elements class, and then the next week started. I did like the I think there was four elements classes. I I couldn't make the fourth one, I think, so I made three, and I just absolutely loved it. I love the challenge. I love everything about it. And so, um, the open started that first year, like in terms of the competition, online competition, and I was like, oh yeah, I was like, I'll sign up like combination, no big deal. Like, cool. Like And the first workout was double unders and uh, snatches. And I could not double under for the life of me. I'll have a picture i have to share with you. I was so mad. I was screaming and yelling. It was like 5 a.m. in the morning ahead of where the coaches judge me. And I did that workout, I want to say three times. I was traveling to Hawaii in 2011 with some friends. And uh, I dropped in and did one of the workouts there, like trying to do double unders. And so for me, it was just like something that I couldn't do. So I'm like, well, I'm going to try as hard as I can to get there. And so that was kind of like the first couple weeks. And I just I literally, when they say that Kool-Aid CrossFit drinking person, I
0: you were that girl. Yeah. Oh, Oh. there's a
1: video. Oh my gosh, there's a video from the 2011 games that I did when Reebok had a video booth there at the end of the games. My voice is gone, I can barely talk. Um, but I'm like CrossFit's life. I eat it. I breathe it. <laughs> like, I look back. I'm like, oh, so embarrassing. <laughs> but I just had. So you were much- like, you were yeah. like the
0: cl- cliche of all. Oh yeah, CrossFit crazy, crazy CrossFit.
1: Like, right. It was horrible, but it was good because I again I loved it. Yeah. Uh, and so the first that first month after my first month of taking classes and getting into it, I signed up for the mobility certificate with Kelly Starrett. I did that in San Diego. And I was like, man, I was like, I really want to like, I really want to do more, learn more. And I was like, well, I want to coach. Like I had said, essentially I've been a personal trainer before. And then I stopped the personal training and then got a marketing coordinator position with a healthcare company based out of Oakland. And they were planning to continue on. And then about halfway through the year, they're like, you know, we're going to move back to Boston because their head office was in Boston. And I was thinking, oh, well, I'll go back there and start the personal training and find a CrossFit gym. I was like, well, if I'd like this so much and I love it and I want to do more of this one. I just stay here and focus on that. So I decided, all i right, we'll I'll get back into the personal training. I'll become a coach. And to become a coach, you need your level one. So I signed up for my level one certificate in June of that year. And I'd signed up to volunteer at the SoCal regionals the following week. And so I was super excited and I actually told one of the trainers at my level one, it was in Pleasanton, Hollis Malloy. I told him, I was like, oh, I was like, I'm going to go to the CrossFit Games. I want to compete. He's like, oh yeah, that's great. Cool. Nice. Yeah, Margo. And it's funny because fast forward numbers years later when I was working on seminar staff he's like out of all the people that told me they were going to go to the crossfit games you, you actually yeah
0: you actually went
1: well you and you I, I know there's that. a couple of handful of stories like that I think um, yeah with no Olson and then um employee spacing the guy who just won the games this year oh uh, yeah who so was a volunteer back in think, yeah. 2016 yeah yeah his story uh, is yeah, very similar so there are a handful of us that have you know came from to right. compete, but uh I again just like Really wanted to do it, really loved it. So I was like, all right, I got my level one certificate. Uh, certificate. Then I went to the SoCal regionals, volunteered there. And I remember seeing Katie Hogan, I get, it gives me goosebumps, Katie Hogan, Becca Voigt, and Chris Clever, kind of like the Valley girls back in the day, mm-hmm. they were taking the field and it literally gives me goosebumps. So they were taking the field for that max thruster for their kind of ladder to go through is like how much weight you can thruster and seeing them on the field. I was like, and it still gives me goosebumps. I'm getting like waves of goosebumps right now, I but too. I was like,
0: it must be like, I, I
1: was like, I want to compete. I want to do what they're doing. These women are badass. I was like, I want to do that. And so when I got back from that, I was like, all right, I'm going to, I volunteered for the, the games, for the CrossFit Games that year. I uh, talked to Angel and we kind connect, of connected and I got to volunteer. I got to help out the rogue staff um, with well, things that your outside volunteers were allowed to help with and then volunteer the games and seeing those athletes at that level. I was like, I want to do this. I want to be here. Like, it's so amazing to see these athletes here, the teams, the individuals. I was like, I want to do this. And so after that, I was like, I'm gonna go to the CrossFit Games, and when my job was like, "Hey, we're going to Boston," I was like, "Nope, gonna stay here. I'll you know I'll contract until you find a new person," uh, and just decided to focus on competing. Wow. I let go of my 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 job I had. Like my my dad was like, "All right, well, what are you gonna do?" I was like, "I don't know. I'll figure it out." I was like, "I like taking- I'm gonna train." Yeah, I was like, "I'll figure it out," and I think for me it's like, I really wanted that, and I. And I don't know why, but I was so passionate about, it. I was so headstrong about, it. I was like, all right, if I need to, you know, let go of my job, cause they're moving, that's fine. I'll, I end up coaching at two different gyms, taking two different positions. I'll do what I need to do to learn how to snatch, to, you know, figure out what I need to do training wise. Um, I just, I didn't really care. I was like, I'm going to put all my eggs in this basket. And if it doesn't work, then at least I gave it that shot. And at least I can say, hey, all right, I tried everything I can, if I don't get there, that's fine. But if I kind of dabble and only put a foot or two in, then I'm going to have regrets. You're not going to get,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. okay so, so but from the time you no no no, but we're gonna get into it but by the time when you went and said I'm gonna do this and you were volunteering and then did you go the following year to the games
1: yeah so in 20 that was 2011 and 2012 I competed at regionals I qualified for regionals competed there and then I didn't obviously make it to the games I finished 21st that year that was like the final cutoff uh for the last year or no, excuse me 17th because top 18 I think um qualified uh, qualified for regionals competed there. And then 2012, I went as kind of a spectator to watch and my coach and boyfriend at the time, now husband, he was like, you know, you see this, you see these people, you see those individuals on the field, like visualize yourself down there being down there. And that's, I was like, yes, like I want to be down the field. I don't want to be in the stands. Like this band is great. Like I love it. I'm enjoying myself, but I want to be there down that field competing. And so that was 2012. So I focus on doing as much as I can. I ended up focusing on, you know, one coaching position versus two to increase more time gym training. I would, you know, train that first year probably training two to three hours, eventually four hours. And then over that 12th, that 2012, um, slowly started increasing more time in the gym training more. And then when when you say
0: three hours, four hours, that's a day.
1: Yeah, so three to four okay. hours. a day. So I was okay. probably okay. Yeah, in the gym like when I started in twenty eleven, probably like I'd do a class, maybe a little bit of extra work, so maybe like two hours, and then eventually over time it increased to three to four hours a day, and this was probably about five days a week, um, and then over time eventually got to you know five six. Hours yeah, a yeah, day. The, yeah. And eventually seven eight hours a day.
0: All right, so I have a couple questions. So when from when you decided you wanted to go to when you went, if how what was your level? Like, like, were you like, let's say there's a, that, that, uh, Margo at 10 was at the games, Margo, just doing CrossFit game or CrossFit for the first day was one. What level were you at when you're like, I'm going to go. Were oh, you like, I would, like two, it, like, three? Anything. Yeah. yeah. like okay. one.
1: Okay. I couldn't, yeah. I barely had strict pull-ups. I think I could do maybe a couple strict pull-ups or chin-ups. Uh, didn't have double unders, could barely snatch, couldn't do any like high skill gymnastics, like handstand walks, handstand holds. Just, like, okay, so no. here
0: you are, you have like very few skills. No, no offense, but like, yeah. you know, <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean it to be <laughs> really um, But you have a visu- vision for yourself and you you are willing to do whatever it takes to get there with no business really doing that because you don't actually have the skills to get there. Like at least I would be thinking you could do some handstand walking, but no. So you don't have any skills to get there except some determination, which I love because like, that's, that's like, um, I think that's how you reach big goals. Like you know what right. I mean? I think you reach big goals by, that's how I have. It's like, it's almost like you have no business and that's what's driving you. Is that like, you have no business having that goal. You know what I mean? Like who who has that goal? And it's, yeah, I love that.
1: And I think, I mean- there were like that first year, there was a, a girl at the time uh, that I volunteered with at the SoCal games. And I told her, I was like, our SoCal regionals, I, like, I want to compete in the games. I want to be there. I want to be on that floor. And she's like, good, you should like do whatever you need to get down there. Like you should want to be better than them. You should want to be better than me. And I was like, yeah, I was like, I just want to be there. And so I was like, I really wanted that. And again, like for sure, I definitely didn't have, if you look at like my numbers and my skills on paper, you're like, there's no way in hell she's going to make it there. And especially after that first year, like I was in 2012. I was like, I'm going to go to the games. I'm going to qualify. But being realistic, like I didn't have muscle ups. I didn't have you no know, butterfly pull ups. I didn't have any of that stuff. So not that I couldn't have tried to get there, but I have to, you have to be realistic. You have to say, all right, cool. What is your skill level? What's, what are the tests? What are the events that are going to have you complete? And it's, if you can't do that, then that's where you're at. Uh, but then come 2013, like same thing, you're looking at myself and other competitors, like there's no, there's no way she's going to make it, you know, all these other athletes that have been maybe competing or doing CrossFit longer, she's not going to do it, but it's like that determination and the amount of time that I put in the gym and the sacrifice to get better Mm -hmm. and reach that I had to almost like, in a way it's kind of, it sounds weird, but like I had to play catch up in terms of the amount of training that I was doing to people that had been training, you know, three, four, five years or more. So I had to increase the time in the gym, but also increase my skills so come 2013 and finishing that last workout, you know, people were like, she made it. Like they didn't kind of anticipate it or they see it, you know, and the community believed me, there was a uh, certain individuals that didn't think that was going to happen. Like, oh, you're not going to make it blah, blah. But I'm like, all right, not my problem. I can't focus on that. Like there's no
0: <laughs> not my the problem,
1: yeah. wasted energy. I'm like, I'm going to focus on what I can. And I put a big precedence on visualization and mm-hmm. putting my goal on my mirror so I could see it every day in the bathroom. You know, I'm going to be the best in the gym to qualify to make sure that I get there. Um, and I was able to achieve and qualify in 2013 after two years of crossfitting. I know it's a little harder to do. That's definitely harder to do these days. Not that you can't do it. Um, but it's like, I had to, like I said, play catch up and I put all that time and effort into the gym. It's like, this is what I want. This is what I'm going to do. And you know, if there's naysayers or people that don't like it, then fine F you, but I don't have time for that. You know, I, right. Right. It's tough. You can take that same kind of mentality to anything else. Like, but like you said, if you don't have any business, it doesn't mean you can't do it, but you just got to put in more work. You have to be yeah. more how you plan or how you train or what you put your energy and time towards so that you can get to that goal.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's the same thing with our clients too, who have big goals and then either kind of when it comes to execute, you can see like this goal is not important. Like, cause when that goal is important, You, you know, I, I always say like, I have people who I think they're, you know, they don't have time to do this or that or the other, but wouldn't dare miss a hair or nail appointment. Like would, would, would like take a day off from work to get the hair done, but like don't have five minutes to do a check-in. It's not that important to you. You know, it's, and, and like when it is important, you, you make it happen over and over and over again, especially.
1: I agree. And I think it's, if you take that same mentality, some approach, like if you want something, you will make time for it. And like, and that's a perfect example, like hair, nails, whatever it is, you're going to go for that. Cool. Like you can carve out, if you can't go to the gym, cool. Like work out in your home gym, work work out in your living room, work out in your bedroom. Like you can do body weight movements, but again, it's that precedence, And it comes down to the accountability. Like, are you going to hold yourself accountable? And if you aren't like, does having someone else help you? But if you don't want to do it yourself, you know, some, someone brings There's nothing.
0: Before. Yeah, there's nothing anybody yeah, can No one say. else is going to make it easy.
1: Yeah. Like, you yeah. yourself got to do it. Right. You, know, you have to say, all right, cool. I'm going to do this or I'm not going to do it. And sometimes you do have to make sacrifices. And sometimes you do have to get rid of the people in your life or limit exposure to certain people or environments in your life. Agreed. And that's something I do kind of as I starting my competition experience in time. It's like I had to get out of certain environments because it wasn't conducive to growth. It was toxic. It wasn't a positive environment. And I had to, you know, change gyms and go to different places because of that. And it's difficult because the people in the community that love and support you are there and you might feel the same, but if the people that are certain other people are in that environment and they make it difficult and they make it hard, you sometimes have to say, all right, what's best for myself? What's best for me to achieve this goal or my, you know, end kind of place that I'm trying to get, what do you need to do? And sometimes you have to make hard decisions like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah even at the, even in that space you don't you don't think about that at a you know elite level athlete would have to like move into a different space to protect their own you know mental health
1: is, so yeah. let's talk
0: about let's talk about how your um this will be an interesting topic but i'm curious how your physique changed from when you started crossfit to the games yeah. level athlete
1: Yeah. So I would say, I mean, I was, when when did you
0: start packing on the muscle?
1: Yeah. So I, I would say before finding CrossFit, I didn't have much upper body strength or definition. I mean, I had a little bit, um, just from going to the gym, I had maybe lower, more, more, more mass in my lower body, just from all the running I was doing. Um, but then it wasn't when I first found CrossFit, I learned about paleo and the nutrition and I kind of changed my diet a little bit and I actually gained a little bit of weight. Um, so it was a little fluffier my first year in CrossFit because talk about paleo in terms of, Hey, you know, cutting out carbs, adding more fat. Um, so I was eating probably more than what I needed to sustain my body weight. So I started adding a little bit of weight, but then as I started changing kind of that first year when I met my now husband and he was my coach as well. We started talking about nutrition because I was getting really bad uh, exercise induced migraines because I was Mm -hmm. eating little to no carbs. And obviously with CrossFit, you need a lot of carbs.
0: Paleo makes no sense. That was such a strange phase. Yeah. And I think,
1: I mean, nutrition is a very rabbit, very big rabbit hole to go down. I think it can be beneficial for some people. But not necessarily in the CrossFit space, I think, especially competition, we'll say, because competition, I mean, at one point I was eating 300 to 350 grams of carbs a day Yeah. To make yeah. sure I'm feeling more performance. So we changed on nutrition and started introducing more carbs, cutting back on the amount of fats I was eating. And that's when my body started to change a little bit. It took a while, I'd say about a good solid year, yeah. nine months a year. Um, and that's where I started to get a little more definition. So probably like 2013 leaned out a little bit more. And then as the years went on, um, I built more muscle and obviously more, I was eating more protein, making sure I was more balanced in my diet. It became more natural. And I think just like anything else, as you have more repetitions under your belt, your body's going to start to refine and utilize that better. So it wasn't probably until like 13, 14 where I started to add a little more muscle. And then 15, 16, 17, 2015, 16, 17, where things got a little more defined. Cause I'll find old pictures and I'm like, oh, my arms look a little thinner than, the, than I thought they were. Um right, right, like, right. as much definition. And it's funny because I look back to like, you know, 2008, I'm like, whoa, my arms are hella skinny. <laughs> but again, right. perspective. <laughs> right. Um, and so, yeah, so I wouldn't say like, I think 2018 was probably where I had like the most muscle on me just because I was competing as an individual six to seven, eight hours a day in the gym, five to six days a week. And that was, you know, my job. I was still teaching seminars, but it was very minimal um, the weekends when I was out or out when I was in competition. Um, so that's probably where I had the most muscle mass in my body. And then I decided to stop competing as an individual, kind of moved into the team space, still had the muscle, but it wasn't add as much because I was decreasing my training to like four to five hours a day. Right. So
0: I think that's really interesting. I want to talk about that. Cause I, I think I have people send me pictures of kind of games, athletes, physiques. And I think it's really important people understand those physiques aren't built with CrossFit for t- a CrossFit affiliate class four times a week. That is yeah. not, and but, but people don't, And, and games athletes aren't going to a CrossFit class and that that's it. Like this is a totally different level, six hours of training, Dan Bailey, you know, Dan Bailey,
1: he talked about about
0: that a little bit this summer. I was kind of picking his brain about like how many actual hours. And he was saying it's probably an average of six hours a day. Like, obviously Mm -hmm. you're not doing six hours of straight work, but it's a, it's a, it's a full-time job. For
1: sure. 100%. And I think it's, and I've, I've seen individuals and people come up to me They're like, oh my gosh, you know, like, I love the way you look like I want your arms. Then I've had other people come up, you know, and I'm in gym, like, oh my gosh, I want to start CrossFit, but I don't want to get bulky like you. I'm like, I mean, I the last laugh. I'm don't like, worry, don't I'm not worry. offended.
0: So, yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. People are like, oh, your arms are so big. I'm like, all right, cool. Yeah, easy. Um, yeah, <laughs> I mean, but I get. I mean, I think sometimes you know, like what they're thinking and what they're saying. I know. Different. So it doesn't? I'm like, oh, I, I'll, I'll let that one pass. It's right, right. <laughs> I'll it.
0: I won't. Um, I won't but, go back to my desire to fight and punch exactly, in the face.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Like that's a decision I'm gonna just pass. Um, but yeah, I think it's like, people think like, oh my gosh, I don't get bulk. I'm like. It takes a lot of protein and it takes a lot of time, repetition to get there. So you're over not years, me, like, over, over years, years. Like, and it's yeah. people, people ask me like, how long is it taking? And I'm like, well, to be completely honest, it's a good solid, like 10 to 11, 12 yeah. years. You know? yeah. I'm like, and of course, yes, I had a little bit of a base there, but it's like, I've obviously increased a lot of training in a handful of years, handful of two years. So obviously what I'm going to have and what you're going to have is going to be drastically different and also depends on your height and your weight and also your obviously big parts of nutrition. But I think there is that huge misconception where like, oh my gosh, I'm going to lift weights and I'm going to get bulky. I'm like, no, it's not going to happen. But I think it's hard because I think either society or magazines or people or whoever's around in that environment, they start to hear those things and they continue to tell them those things. And it's like, no, you have to break that. And it was funny, I was just talking to another coach uh, this morning and even yesterday, the whole concept of like weight too, it's like, oh, the scale's not changing. I'm like, it's, it's hard because it's like getting them to understand, but have to also understanding that like for the past 10 and 12 years, even growing up for myself, it's like, oh, what's the number on the scale? It's like, well, that isn't the only determining factor. There's a lot of other things that you can measure, like your measurements on your body or how you feel in your clothes. What are your energy levels like? There's so many other things that come into play. But people get this like, oh, I, I lift with a dumbbell or a barbell, and like all of a sudden to pop out like muscles everywhere. I'm like, no, not yeah,
0: gonna. Don't happen. don't worry,
1: exactly. don't worry, mom.
0: Yeah, my mom is like worried. I'm like, I think you'll be all right. I think you'll be. Yeah. And right. and
1: there's some people that like really love it. They want to look like that. And I think people sometimes will tell me like, all right, well, you know, I want to have definition, but I don't want to look too manly. I'm like, okay, well, you're not. Going to do that. It's going to be near impossible. But I think also people have this misconception. It's like, oh, well, I don't want to look like a physique bodybuilder. I'm like, well, you're not because you're going to have a completely different routine. They're taking different stuff. They're on a different plan. Like, that's completely different. But it's if for some reason, it gets all blended into one pot. I like think of fitness and it's all like in this like boiling pot together. Right. Like, there's so many different things that come into play. But it's getting people to understand and hear, but also educate them and saying, hey, it's going to take a little while. It's going to be different. And as a coach, trying to communicate that. Some people can be receptive to it and other people won't be. And like you said, it's that kind of the honesty and that accountability aspect is like, do you find this important? Mm. Okay. Yes, you do. Do you understand that it will take multitude of years, months to get there? Yes, you do. Okay, great. So then that fear component kind of comes out of it, but I think it, depending on the individual, takes time or it takes reps of hearing that.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think, I think if we say to uh, our people train, like you want to get huge, you'll probably end up looking like you want to look like, you yeah. know what I mean? You, you That's will right. not, you like, you have to train like an, like Arnold and you'll look and, and years too. It is years. It is uh training years. And I love what can happen to like muscle and definition is like, you get that more mature muscle. It's like that dense, yeah. you know, thick, it's like, it's not going anywhere, you know? Um
1: wow.
0: It's and I- Yeah. It's a beautiful
1: thing that that time frame of years. It's kind of people like, oh, it's gonna take so long, but I'm like, it's gonna be so worth it. The and the time that you put in. It, it's like just like anything else in life. And I've I've talked about this a lot with like my wine company, my business. It's like you know you work hard during the day with your career, with your school, with your family, in the gym, whatever it is might might be. Then you know you embrace the struggles, you celebrate the successes. At the end of the day, you know you wind down enjoy a glass of wine or you know eat your bonbons on your couch hang out with your kids whatever it is but it's that process because you're spending so much more time in that process in the journey so same thing in the gym same thing over those years you're going to spend so much more time building up there falling in love with that process is very important you don't have to like it but if you don't then maybe you know reassess your goals but it's very important that it's going to take time but at the end of it it's going to be so much more worth it and you're like oh man like this took years to can like get. And it's like it's not going to go away anytime soon. Like even if you stop training, it'll slowly tight trade off. But just knowing the consistency that you're putting in is going to create this nice, nice shelf and base for yourself for yourself as you get older.
0: Yeah, sure. And we are, you know, my crew is mostly over 40, I would say, but uh, you know, we have some on the cusp and up and up. And I think at at this age too, you kind of start to realize you know th- this is my last there's really no more time here and to get 10 to get they they believe you like like this demographic if you say it's going to take 5 or 10 years they they get it now like they didn't believe you 5 years ago but yeah. now they're like yes i can see how it, man like you, you know you're, you're kind of kicking yourself too should have started a long long time ago it is yeah. one of the things i love about physique is like even though physique sports, you know, I struggle with them and I've competed, it's also like I I do a, can always appreciate like a physique that has been built because I know it took years like of dedication. You know what I mean? Like you don't just you don't just get that. You don't just get a great physique and yeah. muscular, you know, definitely it's just it's just kind of cool. well, I know a few people who are genetically like it's like crazy. Um, yeah.
1: You might have good genetics. You had both parents or grandparents are active or competed, or they did some high level sport or the Olympics. So that can definitely be there. But I think it's also, like you said, it's important. It's, it's going to take years and people that understand and realize that like, all right, cool. Like I'm willing to put the time in because they know that it's going to be awesome. Or they, it, they know it's going to help them get closer to what they're looking to achieve. Yeah, and, agreed. I will. There are people be like, man, like, I wish I would have started earlier. It's like, all right. Yes, that's great. You didn't, you
0: know? yeah.
1: you didn't but you're here now. Yeah. And that, that's a great way to like make that change. Like I tell people like, man, like I wish CrossFit was around when I was younger, you know, but it wasn't, but I was active. So I take grace and happiness that my mom got me active in all those activities and sports and different things when I was younger. So it's like, no matter where you're at, like better late than never has kind of my better mentality. late
0: than never. And it's possible yeah. to, you know, to put on, Pretty good amount of muscle tissue, like even into our well, there. I mean, there's some great studies about adding muscle tissue in our 80s. So so yeah, we can't go back in time, but you versus you, right? The the best you. And it's I've seen some crazy physique changes at 50, 51, 52. It's almost like newbie gains, you know? Like it's like, That's damn. That's awesome. That's yeah, great. It is, it's it's like- really cool. Yeah. So okay so you go to the games the first time how was that how do you do how do you feel
1: That was it was incredible <clears throat> when i first found out i won i was like kind of like oh i won like um oh really i'm like, oh i'm excited like even though I, I think i visualized it so much and i saw myself on the podium actually I won, won.
0: So, Oh i won Yeah Oh by it's the way like, so wait you won your first games
1: Oh no, i not win it i qualified like i qualified for my first games Oh you're qual Oh i'm like qualified. I did no, no, read no, an like, article
0: qual- yeah. Oh, okay. No, no, You're like, no. let's so, get yeah, the stats right.
1: Yeah. So I qualified for the 2013 games, but I was like, oh, I qualified. Like, I was like in my mind, like I won, cause I made it. You know, like yeah, I you made, made it. Yeah. And it makes you think of that uh, Vegas Vacation movie with Chevy Chase, where the guy at the very end. I'm not sure if you've seen it. but yeah. The guy's old. He has that lottery. He's like, I won. I won the money. I won. And that's how <laughs> I kind of felt. like, oh, like he was like surprised <laughs> that he won. So I was kind of like I was surprised that I won, that I made it. But I was like, I made it. And so again, I think all that visualization and. I used to say manifestation or just seeing myself on the podium, believe myself. I was going to make it had a huge impact. I think on that mental aspect or the mental component. Um, but then I finished, so I qualified, made it to the games. And then I was super excited. Like again, little kid in a candy shop. Yay. Uh, finished 26 that year. So my first goal that year, my goal that year was just to make the, like the end, like make it to the end. And so they had a cut at top 30 for the final event final workout. And so I made top 30 and finished 26. So I was happy with that. Like, Again, that was like, all right, I'm just going to give it the best I can. I didn't really know what to anticipate or expect, um, but was elated. And then from there, I was like, all right, I'll, I want to go back. Like, now I got to make sure I get back and continue to make it to the games. Um, and was able to do that six years in a row as an individual. So, and it's tough because I, I think like, all right, because my placing the – in 2014, I ended up uh, breaking my first rib right after regionals. So going into the games, it was broken. Training like,
0: was it training? Accidents? Yeah, from
1: training. Yeah, so I had like a, I was doing a lot of high volume handstand push-ups, strict handstand push-ups for regionals that year. Mm-hmm. They had a workout where strict handstand push-ups, front squats, and burpees over the bar. I think it was like 21, 15, 12, 9, 6, 3. And so strict handstand push-ups are like my kryptonite, my like nemesis. I have like long, long arms, and so anything strict overhead. Um, or deficit strict were like near impossible and so when it was at regionals I was like damn I was like this is gonna be challenging so I uh just kept training I think all that high volume just made me put a little bit of stress on my traps and stress on my ribs and then I think I don't know exactly when but I was doing training for the games after regionals after I qualified and I think I dropped like coming down for a jerk and I felt like a little pinch so I think I might have like that might have been like the straw with the camel's back and I thought it was more of like a pinched nerve Uh, I went to a chiropractor a friend of mine had an x-ray and like check to see, and he's like, you're, you know, you're, cause I, I thought it was something in my neck actually I was referring pain, like a pinch over my neck. And Jenny LeBlanc at the time, she was a competitor. She was having neck issues. And I was like, man, if it's a compressed disc, I was like, that's not good. So anyways, I got it checked out. It was a broken first rib, which is like right up here. So I was like, well, I'm not gonna not compete. Like I qualified, I'm gonna go. So I just had a modified training, uh, finished 34th that year at the games. Not Obviously wasn't happy, but I had to be realistic. All right, I couldn't handstand walk, I couldn't jerk couldn't do a lot of things overhead that year we had like a max overhead squat I was like great awesome perfect <laughs> so it was a lot of road roadblocks but I was like all right I want to come back better um so competed in get in 2015 and was able to qualify again finished ninth that year so that was my best finish very happy about nice. that that was yeah. the opportunity to um the world imitational where it was like the U.S. versus um it was Australia and then we had Europe And so we had different kinds of competitions. So it was myself, Dan Bailey, Rich Froning, and China Cho. And we ended up winning that. So that was a great year, great experience. Learned a lot from there. I was able to continue to qualify back in 2016, 2017. Didn't have the best finishes. I went from 22nd to 24th. And then 2018, I finished 22nd again. So it was kind of like the mid twenties. And it was hard because I wanted to do better. That's so Um, good
0: though. Like it's so still, it's, I mean, considering like the whole entire world can do the open and then you just have to like chip away that's like the coolest thing you know you.
1: and i i have to so I have cool. to take a step back and like even in my own mantra you know i say you know review your work and so i look at it as like all right well I, I wanted to win i wanted to be on that podium at the games and in 2018 i won the south regional i'm like all right this would be the year and i won the um the marathon row that year. I was like all right i can kind of build this momentum and get there but it didn't work out the events and how i finished and so i have to like I have, I, I try to pull like again, it's ego. because like, I want to win. I'm a competitor. I want to be number one, but at the same time I have to take a step back I'm like, all right, I launched my wine business and I'm splitting my time between my wine business and training full-time. So it's like, I have to be realistic. I also have to respect my competitors. If they're training that full-time, I can't like, you know, whine and complain and be like, oh man, like I want to do better. And when, you know, if they're putting more time in the gym than I am, but I have to be like, all right, give myself props. It's like, all right, I've been able to qualify every single year for the past six years and compete at this high level. I'm one of 40 women around the world. Like Mm -hmm. damn, like give yourself those accolades. And I, I for sure struggle, struggle with that. So I have to make sure, and I tell people celebrate your successes. So I have to tell myself, celebrate my success. I mean, I
0: don't, but well, yeah, Yeah, I, I get that. Like as a competitor, it's, it's, it's not, um, yeah, you're you're you want to win, right? Especially if you've seen ninth, uh, you know, you're you're right there. Yeah, you know? top
1: ten, closer to poems like all right, Yeah, so top.
0: it's like there's really no reason to be thinking like I'm not gonna win. And there's only what forty of you start? Yeah,
1: only. 40 yeah, there's isn't. only
0: forty of you. There's not like a thousand, you know. So it's like it probably must feel like it's you're just you're right there the whole time.
1: Yeah. And like every event, depending on, you know, how it's like, what it has or, you know, what the competition is going to go. And you can't control outside factors, obviously I can't control the workouts and how the other competitors do, but I can't control myself. And of course, like I've have, I've had, like, I had a toe infection and a stomach bug in 2016. So it's like, all right, there's no, but there's no asterisks like next to your name, like, oh, like, you know, I threw up right before events or I had a toe infection or blah, blah, blah. Like, but it's just the severity, like the reality of the situation of you can't always control everything that's going to happen, but you can try to make the best of it. You know, that asterisk
0: so, would be nice. Like, yeah, exactly. won, like, first I, yeah, I would have won, except I have a, these, these ailments. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But I, I think for myself, like you're just learning, you know, what I learned for my sister passing and understanding, you know, how life is not guaranteed. We're not going to have tomorrow, next week, next month. I always try to make sure I go there with like, yes, I'm going to do the best as possible. Yes. I want to win. I also am going to make sure I make the most of this experience. Cause I'm not guaranteed to qualify next year. I'm not guaranteed to come back. You know, whether something happens with life or injury or whatever, I mean, you're trying to compete at a high level. So there's always new people coming in, maybe athletes or competitors going out, but it's like to continue to repeat so many years back to back, it's, Challenging, it's difficult, but you have to be like, all right, what is your goal? How do you improve among that? How do you reflect? How do you adapt or change and do what you need to do to get better? And so I try to do it to the best of my ability every single year. And I'm so grateful for that chapter of my life because it introduced me to so many different people. I was able to push myself physically, mentally, emotionally to do different places. And so it's also also open opened a lot of doors to other avenues and paths. Um, and so again, grateful for it. And obviously I wish always compete and do better in that, in that aspect, but I learned a lot and I'm grateful for those memories because there are so many people that busted their ass to get there and, you know, never did.
0: Never did. So what is, uh, how do you think, uh, the, the games have changed? Like when you look at it now, are you like, oh man, I would never, have, I, I couldn't even qualify now as the athlete I was, or I mean, and that happens with sports, right? Like people yeah. just level up, they push they push the limits you know
1: um yeah i think it's i mean i think it's changed for sure in terms of kind of the, the age and the time from when i was competing to what it is now the um, the community for me was always a big point not only in classes in the gym but also just in comp- competition anything like we wouldn't as athletes you know without the competitor or without the com- community without people in the stands like what is it? It's just people working out in this arena. Like it is kind of funny, actually. And people coming to support. Like yeah. it wouldn't be what it was or what it is without them. And for me, that was super important. And I and it's I think someone the other day had mentioned or a couple of weeks ago, I was talking to someone else and like the kind of the time frame that myself and some other competitors we're competing. at. It it's kind of like the people who joked it was like the golden age of mm. cross competition. And I don't know. I mean, I can't, I mean, I, I would say, yeah, that sounds good to me. I like that. I agree. Um, but I think there has been some changes and evolutions and things that have, I mean, changes guaranteed no matter what's going to happen, but there sure has been some changes in terms of like the programming or like the sponsors mm. of people and how it's developed and how it's grown. I haven't been back since 20, 19 like I haven't been to the like to, to watch or to compete or be in any realms since 2019 so it's been what four years now um there has definitely been some changes obviously different level of athletes the athletes are getting younger and younger I've noticed
0: yeah, but again,
1: people yeah. Have been doing wow. right now for. I mean people are 17 18 I'm like that like,
0: Man, like makes no it. sense like that defies everything I know about like strength capabilities like these 17 year olds, like that just makes no sense. to I don't even, I can't wrap my brain around that. Yeah. And I,
1: so I remember this was back in, I want to say the early two thousands, like 2011, 20, 29, 2009, 2010. And I was talking to one of my friends and she was saying she did a lot of like triathletes, um, longer endurance. And she was saying a lot of women in their mid thirties, that's kind of when they peak within like the triathlete. Yeah yeah well like long run swim yeah i agree like, right, that makes yeah. sense yeah i was like that's great i was like i could totally see that you know mid late 30s but i think if you take that to crossfit it's a different type of training but also these kids or these individuals that are you know in their late teens 17 18 or 19 they did this when they was re- when they were really young and i think if you look at it in terms of a mechanic standpoint of what they're learning at a young age, it's just like, in a way, learning a language. Kids are way easier to pick up a language than they are adults. Like We can do it, but it's a lot easier when you're younger because your brain's still formulating, your body's a little more pliable like silly putty. And so I think when they're learning with PVC pipes or light loads, they're able to build and they're able to kind of take advantage of the at the point where, where their hormones are thriving or raging and their body's changing and they're sor- absorbing this up at a younger age what's the longevity going to be like that? We won't know until we get there until more time passes. But I just feel like with the younger kids, like they've had, you know, 10, 20 years, Mal O'Brien, I think she's 18 or 19, but she's been doing this since she was like eight or nine, I think. So she's had almost 10 years of doing this. And I mean, I look at myself doing 10 years, my body's adapted. I'm, I can do things more meticulously. I can not do it for a while then pick it right back up minus some cobwebs, right? Because I've done so many repetitions of that. So it is interesting. It is the landscape for sure. The competition is changing.
0: Yeah.
1: And I just, from my, my perspective, it's like, all right, what's going to happen with those athletes as they go along later in life? And not so much physically, but mentally. And I, I don't know Mal O'Brien. I just know that she didn't compete this year. She stepped away, I think for personal reasons or whatever mm-hmm, she mm-hmm. herself. But I think it's going to be more the mental component and the mental mm-hmm. aspect of how are you handling this at such a young age? Not just her, but anyone that's younger how are you handling the competition or the expectations or the environment that you're in? And it's like, if you're putting this high level of competition in at that young age and you're not able to handle it mentally, and there's a lot of comparison or expectations, whether mm-hmm. it's other people or yourself that you're placing on yourself,
0: mm-hmm.
1: how is that going to evolve as time goes on? Yeah. I mean, and the
0: how- the training like the coping- volume, you know, I mean, I guess it makes sense, right? If you're young You've got gymnastics moves. you have you don't have quite the fear you 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 have uh, you don't have the the mental blocks. you know, you can kind of just go for it. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I think like one of my good friends was a a, you know, Olympic trial swimmer, and she trained mornings, noon, night. That was her whole life. Um, she still does it now. but um that obsession like suited her in a way there was like seemingly no downside to her spending her time doing that except she developed incredible uh like basically like competition um she she started to just choke just absolutely choke on her races couldn't compete like you know what i like She was good enough. She was fast enough, but it, it, she started to like, she just, she just couldn't get there mentally, like the too much pressure that she was applying on herself. Probably nobody necessarily applying it to her, although she was a competitive swimmer in college. And that was again, her life, but kind of reminds me of those athletes, like where at some point they just kind of crack, of course, many will make it through and it will be like this great you know, thing that they had the opportunity to do, but, um, you know, it it's it just the youth and the strength is crazy to me. It's such a young age, but that's a good point. Like they're getting under PVC pipes and learning those movements, yeah. then add load, feed them right, get the training volume and, you know.
1: Yeah. And I think it's, and like something, I Laura horboff said she won it this year. And I, yeah. I love it. Yeah. awesome. Yeah. He was just saying, you know, like kind of look at me based on what I'm capable of doing in terms of like the appearance of like how I look like or what I look like. And I was like, I think that's huge. If you're putting out a message in terms of not just for her, but anyone's like, what is my body capable of? What have I capable of with the body that I have? And I think that's placing emphasis of like, what can I do? Like for me, my, my, my focus personally has shifted, not so much in terms of competition, but more like longevity, but also functionality. You know, I'm prepping for a hunt. I want to make sure that if I have to go on a long hike in the mountains to go hunt, I need to make sure that I have the endurance, the leg strength and the cardiovascular endurance and the recovery to do this. So my shift is focus And again, depending on the individual, and we're all our own person, but it's like, what is your goal? What is your focus? And I think, again, for people that are competing, you're, goal in the competition is to compete and be as proficient or well-rounded as you can because you don't really know what's going to happen at least within the CrossFit space if you're doing a triathlete or triathlon you know exactly what you need to necessarily train for distance wise etc um Spartan races Tough Mudder is a little different but it's all odd object stuff yeah but it is it's interesting to see how there are shifts and changes in terms of training methodologies or training the body your body and how that adapts but it's like finding out all right what is it that i need to do for x and then how do i work backwards from that you know how do i reverse engineer that and what do i need yeah. to do to get there
0: there's a great huberman uh, lab podcast about goal setting and how it's like the best thing you can do is set crazy goals and i feel like i've always done that like in things that seem like like i want them and i just will let myself go there like i will just let my mind go there and then just, just do it. But to your, I had a mother who encouraged me too. that's super powerful. Like my mother was like secretly whispering in my ear, my whole life, like you can do whatever you want. You know, that goes a long way. Cause some moms are like super toxic. Like they're like broken down children themselves, raising women, which is like, and I have a lot of women at my age who are just learning like, oh, wait, I can do that. Like I wait, I can, I can do that. You know, like n- no woman in their life told them they could do things like that. They all said, be careful. You're probably not strong enough. You know, you're not smart enough. Like, I, I mean, I don't know a life without a mother who told me I could do anything.
1: Yeah. And it's, that's amazing. You had that. And it, cause it breaks my heart to think that all the people right? out there right. Have their moms, but we can do that
0: for people. Like we can do that for women. That's how I see myself. Well, nobody told you, but we, we can tell you that.
1: Well, yeah, we'll tell you, we'll We'll tell tell you you that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's important. That's kind of the focus of what I'm trying to work and encourage people. Now it's like, if you're interested in trying something new, you know, whether that's, you know, learning how to shoot, learning how to hunt, learning how to get into fitness for the first part, like, awesome. Let's do it. Like, what can I do to support that endeavor? How can I encourage you? It's like, anything's possible. You won't know until you try. And I think building that confidence and that feeling comfortable and saying, or I can do that. Like, all right, cool. Like, yes, I do have that capability. I do have that possibility. And, you know, fostering this community and this growth aspect where it's like, whatever it is that you want to try, like, hopefully I can give you the education. If not, then maybe I can guide you or point you in the direction of who can give you that education to give them the inspiration or that confidence to do it themselves. Cause I think it's super important to be able to feel like you can do X or do Y or whatever it might
0: be. Right. Um, so, uh, oh my gosh, Margo, we barely even, we haven't even gotten to like I think we're on 2013 or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But, but I'm like, like 10 years yeah, ago. <laughs> shooting pole dancing wine, but I am, I am curious too about the, um, Oh, just, this is just like a quick a question. Do you get, when you're an, an a, a athlete at that level, do you have paid sponsorships or are you just kind of working at gyms and like, you're just, that's the way it is like a boxer. Like you're not going to make a ton of money, but.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I was working, uh, two gyms. Luckily my, my boyfriend at the time now husband, like I said, he was able to support me and help in terms of like, be supportive in the sense of like, Hey, like, what is it that you need to do? We'll make this work. But for me, it was like, I'm going to two gyms to work, two jobs, coaching aspect, coaching jobs. And I had to make sure that I was trying to get my training within that. So didn't have any sponsors the first couple of years. It wasn't till or like in terms of like 2012, 13, it wasn't until, end of 24 or middle of 2014 that I got a sponsor. Um, but it's like, it's tough because there's people that there's brands and companies and be like, Oh yeah, we'll give you free product. And
0: you're you like, know, I, I want like that okay. free product okay. only does
1: <laughs> so much. Like it's tough. because like, it's not like you're living this like miraculous, like athlete lifestyle where you're like, Oh, you're getting paid lots of dollars. Like not like basketball or football or anything like mm-hmm. that. Like Especially back then there wasn't as many sponsors that you know, saw the value or wanted to put that money, or maybe they even had the money to do that too, in terms of sponsorships. Um, so it was very small in terms of the scale of sponsorships, but I wanted to make sure that I aligned myself with brands and companies that one that I resonated with, but we were on the same kind of path, like being authentic and real was very important. I just want to attach myself to say, all right, cool. We'll give you free product and maybe a little bit of cash here and there for someone or something that I'm not really, interested in or that we don't know yeah. why. So that was very important to like be more meticulous and kind of strategic with that. Um, but it's not like you're making a lot of money, especially back then. Like I think things have maybe changed recently where, you know, companies have more sponsorship dollars to put to athletes. Um, but I was very grateful to be with Life Proof for the time that I was and then be with Rogue. I'm still with Rogue, with Rogue Fitness. And then um, kind of from there, it was like, all right, cool. Like how do you want to connect yourself with other people out there in terms of sponsorships but also like companies like for me it was all about being in a mutually beneficial relationship where it's like i want something to be benefit for two for the two people involved not just like all right cool yes you provide me with cash or product or i provide you by support or the brand or promoting you guys i want to make sure that it's um kind of like a ping pong where it's going back and forth for both people
0: right so be one-sided
1: exactly Yeah. yeah i agree yeah. So that was kind of again, that was kind of in the early days. I was 2014 and 15. And like I said, I think it's changed more recently in terms of more companies doing more sponsorship like that. I'm not super involved with it. So I know there might be some changes. Again, I don't know it, but also it's the top ham, it's like the top, top, top individuals that are maybe getting that. Not everyone's getting that. People that are trying to get there, they still don't get that. I mean, unless they have other means or other sponsors that are helpful, that's great. But it's not very plentiful, I'll say, or yeah. it wasn't
0: yeah yeah it sounds like it's it's still kind of like that it's like a obviously like quite a sport of passion I'm sure you know as you get to the top you have some opportunities there but um you know uh it's pretty it's yeah yeah. sponsorships are funny you know I think there's a misconception (laughs) out there about them yeah free product is like is cool but you know it, and it's
1: yeah. hard because, like, if your if your job is training, then it's like, yeah, right, that that's your work. So it's not like you can't do additional things. And I was still able, like I said, I was still able to work seminars. I was on seminar staff for five and a half years, so that was you know mostly we, that was all weekends, and typically it was, I was doing more outside my competition kind of time frame in terms of like the open to the games. But I would still travel every once in a while because it's like those days I'm traveling. Like I love the work and I love connecting with people, but it's like all right, that's two to three days that I'm maybe not able to train as much. Um, and so, if I'm trying to be competitive and try to qualify or trying to get it. there, then you take capital focus. Of yeah,
0: so, how but. did uh, Titan Games?
1: So, yeah, so 20 after 2019 CrossFit, uh, I competed that year as a, uh, that year as a team. Loved it; it was a great experience. Um, and I was like, all right, you we. Know, I think I'm going to move different space. I had done Ninja Warrior that March of 2019, oh, so I got okay. for that. That was a really cool experience. Um,
0: how did you it, get there? Like, how did that um, so happen? How does that happen?
1: The, casting team had found me on, on social media. I want to say it was on Instagram and they reached out to me the end of 2018. And so I applied, put a video, and then I got selected to go in 2019. So that was an awesome experience that was out in LA in um, um Universal Studios. area and Burbank area so I did that and then did the team competition did my last individual competition with the Rogue Invitational and then CrossFit Games team and then end of 2019 the same casting team that did uh, did American Ninja Warrior was doing Titan Games and so they reached out to me they're like hey you know we're doing this new show and I was like oh this is a little bit more up my alleyway I was like lift heavy things pull things versus flying in the air or flying in the air with my arms so I was like all right I applied put a video in and got selected so I was really excited for that. And then did the prelims early 2020. So they had, I think there was like 30 women, 30 men uh, went down to LA. Did kind of like an interaction. I think they wanted to see us in person to see how we yeah. interact, what our are, but also how our fitness would be in terms of different like events that they had. Uh, and then I got selected, and it was top 18, like 18 women, 18 men they picked, and so I got to be one of them. So I was like super excited for that. I was like, all right, this is gonna be more fun. I loved Ninja, but again, this is a little more up my alleyway. And then at the end of 2020 or end of January, 2020, we all went down to um, Georgia. We we did a little filming down there. We're down there for like two and a half, three weeks, and we did it all at once. So I was excited, happy to be picked for that. Obviously, incredible experience. I loved it. Met really cool people. There was a handful that, that were CrossFitters. Um, like Matt Chan, he obviously competed as well. And so being able to see him walking down the hallway in the hotel, is like, what are you doing here? I was like, that's cool. Um, but yeah, I really liked it because it was a little more odd object training. We didn't really know what we we're going to have. They had different events for different people. Not all of us did the same competition. This was the second year. So I think they made some modifications from the first year. They had segmented it out to like the West side, like the West coast, the East coast, and like central. So then we had more opportunities because the first season it was like, you know, you do one event. If you win, you continue on. If you lose, you're out. So this time they did it kind of the best out of three, if you get the three. So if myself and my competitor were going against an I won one event, we did another round, a different event. If she won one, then we'd go into the third round. But I see. So it was kind of like the best out of three, but if you win the first two, then, you know, you continue on. So I won the first two, events for uh, my matchup and then continued on. So it was a really cool experience. I loved it. We still keep in touch. We have a group like the Titan Games group chat. Um, not everyone kind of keeps in touch, but for the major- more, majority part of it, um, most of us keep in touch and connect with each other. We've had yeah, some like hilarious over the years. So it's been cool.
0: Can can people fun. still see the game somewhere? Are they? Yeah. Available? So
1: they, yeah. Oops. I'm oh, sorry. My computer. There's um, that thing. They, uh, yeah. It was a notification. Um, <laughs> You can go to YouTube and like if you Google you um, like Titan Games season two and my name, then I'll pop up. I don't think they have the story part on YouTube. I think it's just like the competition, like the actual event. Um, the story was cool, obviously, because it gives insight to us as individuals and where we're at. I know there was some talk of doing like a season three after our season, because we were actually supposed to go in our season was supposed to be released in 2021, but After we finished filming, literally it was like Valentine's Day on the 14th, we finished filming, we go home and then obviously COVID happened, shutdowns, everything happened. And I think because there was no Olympics and there was no footage, they needed to fill that. So they rushed to get it out. And I think it was end of May, like Memorial Day weekend, right before Memorial Day, they started releasing it. So they released it early, um, but it was great. I just like done my new production of wine, so it worked out timing for what time frame wise.
0: Yeah, you're like, um, But I, think I there was... loved that show. I'm so <clears throat> I, much, I loved it too. Like, it, it was, was really it cool. felt so wholesome to me. Like, it was just like that. I wanted to watch I was watching the movie on uh, American Gladiators again.
1: Okay, yeah, that,
0: yeah. And I was like, I just like that's what I want to watch, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah, it was, I, it was, I know when I talked to. The Rock, he really wanted to use, and he communicated this, like he wanted to use his platform to be able to highlight other people's stories and also give them a kind of a showcase of their lives and what they've been through. Obviously, there's a physical component. Obviously, it's a TV show. They want to share that. But I think it was really important to highlight other individuals of different backgrounds and kind of where they're from. And he had lost his dad. His dad had passed away, like right as we were right before we started filming in Atlanta. So I imagine, I mean, I know I've lost my sister. So I know what it's like to lose someone close to you. So, yeah. Was obviously a big struggle, Um, but being able to meet all these unique, different people and come to one spot and share our stories, but also we're competing, we want to win, but also have this memorable experience that very few had. It was something that kind of brought us together, and it was really cool. And I think they did a really good job of telling people stories and highlighting it. And obviously, there's so much that's out there; they have to condense it into a few minutes. But it was a very grateful, a really great opportunity. I'm so grateful for the chance to go do that, and I just. I'm thankful because again, it was a way to connect with new people, share a story, but also come across different people that you you never
0: would know. Never would have met. Yeah. So cool. So last question I have for you about your wine business, because that, so in the midst of all of this, like how did that even come about? Yeah. So I have, um,
1: I've done product, like home production wines, like you can make wine at home for a number of years. And I really, lo- I love the process personally. I love the physical labor in the field, like harvesting the grapes, pulling the grapes in, crushing them to stem them. I love all that because I feel like there's a lot of reward, obviously, like you put all this hard effort in, you work, you crush all the grapes and at the end of the day or end of the year after the aging process, you get to enjoy that wine. You're like, oh, I made this wine. But it was a process for me that I really liked. I love physical hard work, label. I'm not shy of that. I'm not afraid of getting my hands dirty. And I really fell in love with that. And as I was doing this, I was still, I was competing. So 2011 was kind of, we did most of the planting. 2012, I came back and harvest. So I was trying to harvest and do part of this with my family as I was still competing, but it's obviously tough. You can't do it full time. Um, but I really loved to enjoyed getting to be part of that process and really getting to get into the nitty gritty. And then in 2015, after the games, after winning or after, um, finishing ninth, I was like, all right, well, I could, I feel like I could win the games. I would love to win the games, but I know I'm not going to be an athlete com- forever. Like I'm not going to compete forever. So what I'm going to do after that, like Alex and I were having a conversation discussing, I'm like, what do I want to do? And I was like, well, I, I love fitness and I love wine. If I can blend the two together, no pun intended, and like build a business off of this, like, that'd be great. But I was like, there's a lot, probably a lot of nuances. I have to look into the legalities. And so I, we started researching doing a little bit more and we decided, all right, well, if we can you know start this business with the fitness and wine, then as I transition out of competing into something else, this could be my business. This could be kind of where I want to put, because there wasn't a lot of people blending fitness and wine or You know, showcasing at least my message. I'm not saying like it's healthy wine. I'm not saying it has less sugar or less alcohol. I'm just saying that you do work hard, you deserve it, right? You earn your grapes. It's all about balance and moderation, but don't feel like you can't drink if you want a glass of wine. If you don't drink, that's fine, but take the same methodology and take the same principle. And it's like you bust your butt during the day in whatever capacity. At the end of the day, enjoy the process, relax, and reflect because tomorrow may never come and so I really wanted to kind of take all that and put it together so as 2015 kind of wrapped up and as I went into 2016 started looking into the process of what I needed to do um Utah is very strict with their licensing laws and so this was I was doing everything in Utah I decided to do a custom crush which is I would take the grapes we would take the grapes from Utah take them to California and have them crushed there so I get licensing in there and while I started doing that I sourced a small batch of grapes and wine from Paso Robles and decided to bottle that. And as I went along, as I learned more with licensing and AVAs <clears throat> and wine, Utah is not a very popular area for wine because it's not a lot of recent history there. They have history back in the 1850s and 60s, but in terms of AVAs or more popular areas, California, Oregon, Washington are more popular. So as I started to build the wine business and try to get the wine into distribution, meaning bring it to wine shops or restaurants, uh, no one wanted to take wine from Utah. They would only take the wine from Paso Robles. So for oh me, gosh. I had to adapt in terms of strategy because people are like, oh, wine from Utah. I'm like, oh, I'm like, they actually have a great climate. It's very similar to Paso Robles, <clears throat> excuse me. But again, it's- You it's just couldn't a- sell it. Yeah. I couldn't sell it. And we decided to go about it kind of, Backwards, so instead of opening a tasting shop and having people come in, I thought, all right, well, I'll focus on direct to consumer. I'll, you know, launch at the games, focus on the CrossFit community, focus on the fitness community, you know, ship online, do everything online, and then eventually get into a wine, a physical tasting spot. And it was great, but when I started talking to distr- distributors, you are like, this is weird, like fitness and wine, like you. Didn't-. They loved the message; it was cool, but they're like, this is kind of odd. Like it's different, right? It's something that's unique. But I was like, well, I'm trying to think out of the box and do something different. And so the first couple of years, I continued to harvest and continue to take the grapes from California or from uh, Utah to California. But then as we started bottling after I had the first two vintages, six, 2016 and 2017, and trying to get into states, I was realizing, all right, people have a hard time wanting to take Utah wine. They're interested in the Paso wine that we have, but now I need to actually be physically in front of them. And so... We started to change the strategy like, all right, instead of focusing on the farming and agricultural aspect, we'll move to Vegas and focus on being in person work with a distributor, work with the sales reps, be there so they see a face to the name. And it's like, what's better than, you know, the owner and the person doing this, being in person versus having a sales rep? And nothing's wrong with that. If you have the capacity and the resources, we didn't have that, but I'd rather be in person. And so we moved to Vegas in 2018 and focused on you know, getting the wine to local restaurants. So that
0: and- is what brought you to Vegas. Mm, yeah, Interesting. Oh, wow. So you went all, you're all in on this, the wine business.
1: Yeah. yeah I went all in.
0: <laughs> yeah. You Yeah. Shock. Shocking. Yeah. 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 Big, big <laughs> goals, big vision require big, big action.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, again, I'm, like I said, like, all right, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it. Uh, and like a lot of a lot, if not all, of all my sponsorship and money that I had, I put into the wine business to get that started. And it is, there's a lot of things I didn't know going into it. A lot yeah. of things I sure. I'm um, like, Margo, there's, great.
0: there's easier ways to make money. Oh, 100%. The wine. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah like, like, Let me you, tell you that. Right. Like you were it. like, how do I increase complexity? You know, like it's, oh, but, 100%. but it's a passion. Like That would be a theme for you though, would be to follow your passion, passion and just yeah.
1: do it yeah And it's funny because people like there's a joke in the wine industry and they say you know if you want to make a million dollars in the wine industry you need to start with five million i'm like yeah great cool i wish i would yeah i, wish, yeah. Oh, I put everything into it um but yeah. i mean it was it was a good learning experience i i've learned a lot about business i've learned a lot about you know not only the wine industry, but alcohol industry. And it is a very tough industry. It's very hard. Yeah. It's very obvious. So, in terms of like who, you know, and it's not just like, all right, cool. We have this great product, but it's like, so does everyone else has this great product. How do they, how do you get them to taste it? How do you get into wine shops, price point, production, volume? How much are you bringing in? How much are you producing? So much detail. I have a great story and people love the message and people love what I'm sharing but it's like, all right, I talked to, you know, Southern glaziers and in, in California and they're like, I love the message. I love what you're doing, but you know, we don't talk to anybody or we don't really do any business with anyone under 10,000 cases. I'm like, great. Awesome. Well,
0: I'll like, come back. Well, it'll 10, just 000. be me in, with yeah. my wine in my <laughs> exactly. trunk, in the trunk of my car.
1: Yeah. So we've had to be very, um, well, you have
0: to persist. I mean, you yeah, just have to sure. persist. Very yeah.
1: Very yeah. Uh, have to persevere. And there's been a lot yeah. of roadblocks, a lot of shut doors but I just had to be dynamic. So yeah, going forward
0: that. So how does somebody find your wine?
1: Um, So I'm actually rebranding and I'll be doing a new label. So I'll be putting, it'll be on the new website that I have, which is margoalvarez.com. So I don't have any wine right now. I have a little bit left in Vegas, but that's almost finished. Um, So hoping to do the next production, hopefully this winter, this fall, winter bottle prices and inflation prices have really, really crushed me in terms of shipping costs, storage costs. Um, so that's been a big, big hurdle of how to kind of push through, but I'm hoping to do the next production. Um, but it'll be a new label that I'll have, but it's a red blend, petite Syrah, Syrah and Granacha. Um, I love blends. I love more of the Spanish varietals. Um, so I will keep you guys posted once I have keep, more. Keep
0: us posted. Yeah. I've, I've had to take a drinking hiatus during menopause. It was the, uh, <laughs> hopefully you don't have to do that, but I, I have this theory that i think it through menopause which obviously you'll get to as there are in these crazy fluctuations things will settle down yeah. and i think normal like the the lack of balance i have to have right now by probably anybody's standards to be able to like do really well is incredible so i think i'm hoping once things stabilize again there can be a little bit more balance. So, um, but every once in a while, I enjoy a glass of wine. So it'd be fun to have. I mean, it's fun to know somebody who's done that. And I think we all, at least in my community, like to support women doing cool shit. So um, yeah,
1: I'll keep you posted. Once I get more, I'll send you some.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm sure everyone watching here will be following you when it's over, and we'll this will we'll post this probably at the end of this week. But um I could talk to you for hours, but I know I've got this is like ninety minutes in. Awesome, um, I, it I've takes a while. I so fast. What's that Yeah, I went by so fast. I loved our time. Well, it like I yeah I was gonna also ask you about I did I did have another question because you know I signed up for a strongman competition here in Tampa, oh, yeah. just like one of my classmates. Um, he does them cause I'm, I'm down here getting my graduate degree. And he was like, th- a couple months ago, he's like, you should do this. And I'm like, all right, you know, man, nah, I don't want to be like, that's not the type of like, I'm not going for strong woman vibes here, yeah. but then, uh, my really good friend, Hannah Jones did one. And I was like, okay, all right. And then he's like, just come look at the events and come train. So I went to his house yesterday, did some training, which was terrible, but like I could do, I could I could do the weight requirements. Oh, I could yeah. pull the vehicle. Like it was so much fun. Have you ever done one?
1: No, I really want to do one. I really want to do a strongman competition. That one, well, I like I really
0: think you should do. do this one in November. I, I, I was messaging First Form, and I was like, you guys should come sponsor this. I'll That's send awesome. you the details. Yeah, send me the information if I can look into. It, that'd be awesome. But uh, like, well, no, because so you'll cool. win. No, yeah. yeah. <laughs> But the Locked movements are so interesting. Have you done any of those? Have you done like I've a log done, press?
1: I've done, yeah, I've done some log press. Like done, log yeah, presses. I've done some of that. I've done, I haven't like pulled necessarily a truck. Um, I mean, there's a lot of you odd. Could. I, I would love a lot of that stuff, but I I do I love a lot of odd object fun stuff. A lot, I've done a lot of yoke carries. Those are a lot of fun. I love those.
0: I feel like that would be really fun. I've never done it before, but he Hold had it. the yoke and there's a yoke at the but I feel like those things I would be good at. I don't know why. And I was, I surprised myself. Brute, it's more
1: brute strength where it's like, you just got to pick something up and move it. Right. And, and momentum.
0: It. So like power and momentum. And mm-hmm. those are a couple of things I want to learn. So I'm super excited. I'm hoping a bunch of women come to that one, uh, but I will send you the information. Yeah, send the information I feel like, it. cause I, I know I've seen you at summer smash now a couple of times. And I, every time I see you, you're running around with something heavy.
1: <laughs> Is it a sandbag or something, you know? <laughs>
0: Like you're, you're just, you're a sucker for competition, heavy, awkward stuff. I yeah, yeah, let's
1: go. <laughs> yeah. So what do
0: you, what do you think is the most important, like, takeaway from somebody listening to this that you could give them?
1: I think whatever it is that you're working towards, being accountable to your goal or aspiration um, and then Being patient in that process is going to take a lot of time and being kind to yourself. So you have to know when to keep those reins on or put like the blinders on to focus and do what you need to do, but also know that it's not going to come overnight. And I think a lot of people want that overnight. So being patient, being accountable to yourself, being kind to yourself is very important. And also knowing that It's going to take a while. So enjoy the process or, you know, make the most of the process you have. And if you don't like it, then, you know, take a step back, go back to the beginning. Like, what is it that your goal is? If you don't like it, change it, then be, be okay with being adaptable and having to make changes to figure out what it is that you need. I think that's the biggest take when I talk to people and share people like, Hey, like, what is it that you're seeking? What is it that you want and how are you going to get there? The environment obviously takes a big component to contributing to that. But like, stay accountable and be patient to yourself, with yourself.
0: You know, you have an interesting thing too, because what we've talked about here, this is coming from also like an athlete mindset where your focus is what your body can do for you. And what I love about that is that that, that can apply to anybody. We haven't Mm -hmm. talked about like Margot's physique goals or losing weight or wanting to be look different or whatever it is. We've only talked about the way you've things you've wanted to achieve uh you know physical strength and i think that a lot of us out here uh that i work with also trying just kind of overly obsessing about what the body looks like yeah if you focus on what the body can do the rest kind of follows and the process to get there. You know, I mean, certainly as I had a physique goal, um, I think that was probably one of the harder times in my life, focusing on my physique so much, like it was cool. I loved the process because I love the process of achieving a goal. It's like the physique was almost irrelevant. It was just that there was something to go after. Um, but you know, your, your message of kind of Get, setting these big goals and going for them. I don't, it's not lost on me. I, I know what, what that took. Um, so I love that. I love that. Yeah. I think, yeah,
1: I think of definitely looking at more, what is it you're trying to achieve more than like how do I want to look and obviously, yeah we all
0: want to look good okay yeah like- we all want to
1: look good and that will happen but again if you meticulously focus on that then it's like you're maybe putting your attention to the wrong place like readjust where you can put your attention and then it will come because if you're so yeah. focused on, it's kind of like people say like oh you know, I want to find someone i want to date someone i want to marry someone like when you're so focused on that it's almost going to not happen because that's all you have your blindsiders on but it's like a, a not so good focus i would say so it's like all right don't worry, it'll happen. Focus on like, what is it that makes you happier? What is it you're looking to achieve? You know, you want to get a house or you want to you know, go start a new hobby, whatever it is. And that will come, but it's just so focused on it. It's like, almost it takes away from yeah. that. All yeah, from
0: process, right. You know. Well, the process, it's the process. Exactly, so, The process. It will so happen. I think, yeah. yeah, your process of getting that wine off the ground is probably yeah. <laughs> the, exactly. the, the hardest. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, you'll, uh, I think when everyone else quits, if you don't, you know, that's, that's your best chance.
1: Yep. Exactly. So, um, uh,
0: well, thank you for being so generous with your time. Of course. Thank I, you appreciate so much. I appreciate it. it. This is amazing. I, I really, yeah. Appreciate it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's always good for us to be able to share our stories, especially as a super elite athlete and, you know, describing what it took to get there. That's really, it's just fun to hear thank you well, good it. luck with everything thank you I hope to see you, soon you, you come down there send me that information for sure I know I know you never know you yeah. never know thank but don't all. come to this one because I, I'll support. I <laughs> <laughs> you're not we'll be it's a strange thing with the weight class so but anyway thank yeah, you so support. much of course give Margo a lot. follow we'll put her uh we'll put your details in the show notes and all that and thank you so much awesome of course
1: hope you have a great day
0: you too bye